Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hi, uh, it's David Hanscom. I am back this week with another podcast. My guest this week is Mr. John Lehman, who is an attorney in Spokane. I've known John for over 20 years. He's a good friend of mine, and he's a litigator. And he's taught me a lot about litigation, people's perspective on it, the client's perspective, the defense perspective. We've talked about a lot of cases together. And in, from a medical perspective, litigation is considered a risk factor for poor outcomes. But it's, sort, it's not a great concept for, for your doctor to think like that. And John has taught me a different perspective that I'd like him to share with us today. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, as you said, we've known each other for quite a while. Um, we could sum up our practice in that basically when something tragic happens to someone through no fault of their own, we try to help them get their lives back on track. And that frequently involves uh, litigation and some traumatic event. Uh, some of the issues you say are, are things that we have to battle with and be advocates for our clients every day. And it depends on the severity of the injury, just uh, how much of an impact it's going to have on their particular case. But there isn't a single case out there that there isn't uh, the issues that you're talking about. Uh, potential chronic pain, anxiety, being labeled uh, potential malinger or money grabber or seeking something from a whiplash case that uh, is more than is fair to them. Right. I mean, I'd like you to comment on that. But I mean, here's a perspective. Even in our textbooks, it points out that if you involve litigation, that is a risk factor for a poor outcome. And we're sort of taught some people won't see car accident type cases. People are denied medical care. I can tell you the labels are basically secondary gain. They're, just, they're out for the money. They're faking the pain. The attorneys don't want them to, to, to get better because a case is not going to be as strong of a case if somebody actually gets better. And the labels are pretty intense. So I'm, first of all, I'm curious, do you hear your clients express those frustrations to you being labeled by the medical profession? Well, you see that. Um, generally, I believe that the treating providers care about their patients and they're trying to help them get better. Right. Uh, if they see signs of anxiety or not following the direction or not, uh, you know, amplifying uh, their symptoms and failing what we'll call, you know, validity type tests, you can see providers, actual healthcare providers have responsibility for their care, uh, maybe believe that. But overall, I think most providers, uh, they want to see their patients get better, and they're generally pretty strong advocates uh, for them. The insurance companies, they just take the position uh, as much as they can that they're going to attack the credibility of the injured person, and that's how they defend the case. So they look for any little thing they can find that might be an inconsistency or some method to attack the credibility. I had a case I just tried a couple days ago. The defense had a uh, – and a. Uh, and I examination, just they didn't even have an examination, just a record review. And her opinion was that the client wasn't injured at all. I means zero injury. And you know, I've got uh, a, a COO of a company, a mother, uh, wife, a uh, very uh, successful person who's then told that she wasn't injured. She's got treating a physiatrist, physical therapist, doctors of chiropractic. And 
you know, a position I take with the jury or anybody else is simply, if you somehow believe that my clients and their spouse and their employer and their healthcare providers are in a conspiracy to defraud, then don't award them a dime. Uh, don't award them one dime. And I generally think that juries and people understand that, that that's not the truth. That's not what's going on. I mean, nobody wants to be in a, a motor vehicle collision. Nobody wants to be hurt. It's so disruptive to your life, David. I mean, first you go to the emergency room for hours, and then nobody likes to do that. Right. And then how many people want to have their life disrupted? I mean, when someone comes to see you, David, how much time do you think it takes to get to your office, to have the evaluation, and to get home? Minimum two hours? Right. At least. So, at least. And then you have therapy, and then, and so you have hours that of every day that's disrupted when you're trying to still have the responsibilities of work, of family, of enjoyment. Um, and then your whole life is just put into a fishbowl. You, all your medical records are approached. Everything you've ever told a doctor is there to be second guessed, and how the doctor wrote it down can be second guessed. Did you ever have any pre existing problems? Do you have any psychological problems? Do you have any counseling in your interpersonal relationships? Did you, um, do you have any criminal backgrounds? I mean, so, and then they look at your, uh, if you have a serious accident that affects your employment, all your HR files become that, your tax returns. I mean, it's, it's really not a pleasant process for anybody to go through. And when somebody says that they're doing it for secondary gain, um, I, I really uh, have a hard time with that. And it frankly makes me angry. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure that it occurs but I think it's very rare. No, I'd agree with you. I mean, the problem is, as you know, it's well publicized that there's a certain industry around actually creating car accidents and then creating lawsuits, et cetera, people making income from being professional um, people who actually sue people to make a living. I mean, you see that, obviously incredibly rare. Have you ever seen that happen? Well, I don't know that I can say, and I've practiced since 1983, that I can actually say that. Um, I know there are some uh, different groups that actually do set up cause of actions. And we recently in Spokane had a, a gentleman who a, uh, was a prominent architect and on some of the hospital boards who was just charged with helping to set up some sophisticated car accidents and is charged with insurance fraud. Really? And, and it was, I mean, I know the man and I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm also involved with banking. So I'm probably one of the few bankers that are, plaintiff's lawyers I'm kind of a schizophrenic but I don't believe that the guy with all the gold should should make all the rules but people have to understand insurance companies communicate with each other they keep databases if you have a lot of claims they know about it and they can track that okay no I did not so, know so they I mean they they it's a you're you and they have special branches if they su suspect that you're creating a fraudulent claim they'll come at you pretty hard and, and rightfully so well, John, I'm impressed that your perspective is that the providers are <clears throat> out to help people. I mean, generally, I think in medicine, people go into medicine to help people out. But I'm, I have to tell you that with its lectures, our textbook, research articles, litigation is considered, quote, a risk factor for a bad outcome. And when every practice I've been in, and I think this, this is true for most, I'll say, orthopedic practices, but many people who deal with musculoskeletal injuries, is that they simply won't see patients who have had car accidents. They just won't do it. And they say, well, secondary gain and everything we just talked about. So that's part of the deal. The other part of the deal is that the data shows that about 20% of physicians are comfortable treating chronic pain. 
and the less than 1% enjoy it. What happens is that we know that our treatment paradigm for chronic pain does not work historically very well. You and I have talked extensively, and we've seen hundreds of patients go to pain-free using the whole process we outlined in my book, Back in Control. But as a self-directed process, the biggest block to people getting better is feeling trapped and angry. Years ago, I figured out, you know, we know workers' comp patients, quote, don't do well. And the data shows that. If you're in a workers' comp situation, if you have a surgical procedure, the results aren't as good. There's been mixed papers in, as far as whiplash and car accident injuries. Some papers show that people with whiplash actually have much worse surgical outcomes than people with, without car accidents. But a, a lot of papers show that the results are the same. It's just simply part of the deal. But my, my concept has been in the disability system or the legal system is that when people are trapped by anything, it increases their anxiety, they're frustrated, it changes the body's chemistry, and then you have increased physical changes. It actually increases your nerve conduction, you have increased pain. So going back in the conversation, let's say I'm coming into your office, I've had a car accident, um, let's say I actually had a broken bone that's pretty objective, but the insurance company is fighting all sorts of stuff, including was it my fault or not? It, am I really hurting now as badly as it as I say I am because the fracture's healed, et cetera? So what you just said, though, that there's a fairly big effort by the insurance company and insurance company attorneys and the physicians working for the insurance companies to discredit your client, correct? Correct. And I think what you said, though, David, is, is true. I mean, uh, being injured and being in litigation causes stress. Right. And when you look at your clients, you know, I want them to try to understand that their life is not this lawsuit. Now you have catastrophic injuries that they can't go back to work. They need, you know, significant life care plans, things of that sort. But take take those cases out, right? And and, and then, but you talk about your other cases. I think you have to work hard with your clients so they understand that they need to do everything they can to get better. They need to do everything they can to minimize the and mitigate their damages and. I firmly believe that, you know, this they've got to be ready to go on with their life after this lawsuit's over. And I think juries want to help people that are trying to help themselves. So I work hard to try to do that. And, and your chronic pain, I mean, chronic pain patients aren't good for, fun for doctors and they're not fun for lawyers. Because, you know, the people who are in chronic pain and they're depressed, they're tough to be around. Right. And so they're hard. And Well, they're angry. And each kid, and then... Well, you've talked about, too, some of the most complicated cases I have um, and the most difficult are ones that have underlying anxiety uh, disorder prior to the accident. That doesn't mean that they weren't hurt, and that doesn't mean that they – you take them as you find them. Right. And that's an old saying, you know, you run over a dry paper bag, it crinkles up. You run over a wet paper bag, and it disintegrates. Right. Well, people have underlying anxiety uh, problems, and then they get hurt they have a much more difficult time recovering, but that's not their fault. Right. They, they, you look at the cup, man, I think you might've told me this position that you got a cup and two cups and one's half full of water and one's three quarters full of water. You pour about a quarter of water in the one that's half full and it still doesn't overflow. It's got more water, right. it's hard, but it still functions. You pour that into the one that's three quarters full and it spills all over. Right. And that's what happens to people that come into these situations with anxiety and then they get labeled, and it's so difficult for them. Right. Let me just review for the audience the whole idea about anxiety. <clears throat> anxiety, anxiety has been treated historically by the medical profession as, an, as a psychological issue. And really, anxiety is just the sensation generated by the body's stress chemicals. 
So anxiety is a result of a threat. It's not the cause. I used to think that anxiety is primarily psychological and thoughts can create this chemical reaction. And the way you solve anxiety is you decrease the body's stress chemicals. So when you're threatened, whether it's being trapped in a lawsuit or threatened by somebody holding up with a gun, et cetera, the chemical reaction is the same. The problem with a lawsuit, the outcome affects the quality of your life. There's obviously a lot of anxiety around litigation. And so you have an ongoing mental threat that gives you, gives you a sustained chemical unpleasant environment in your body. And we know that sustained stress actually causes disease, causes heart disease, heart attacks, anxiety disorders, depression, all these things happen with sustained anxiety. So the way you solve anxiety is that you decrease the body's stress response, you decrease the body's stress chemicals, anxiety drops down. If you have pre-existing anxiety and you have the additional stress of a lawsuit, which again is never, never gonna be solved quickly, you do get physically sick, you get physical symptoms that are a problem. Then what the, what the doctors do, including myself historically, is that we can't quote, find anything wrong, so therefore with litigation, whatever, you must be somehow faking it, the pain's not really real. It's very real and it's terrible and it's horrible. It's a, it's a big problem. So my question though to ask you is that, from my perspective, two things. One of them, from my perspective, is the stress of a lawsuit is a big stress and people have a hard time letting go of the person or situation that caused their injury. I mean, I see that all the time where people well, just- I think, that they, I think that's, that's true. I, I try to work on the issue that um, vengeance is a sin. And we try to, and, and everybody will you normally agree to that. And a lawsuit isn't about vengeance. We cannot put the person in jail. We cannot uh, cut off their arm. Um, most of the time it's negligence. People don't intend someone to be hurt. Right. And so to help them heal, they have to get over that. And right. the, the lawyer is doing his job. They're not the enemy. Um, and so you can't, you, if you get bogged down in that anger and hate it, it I agree, David, it makes it way worse. And, and, and then it helps spiral it out of, uh, out of focus. And if they it becomes a total consuming thing in their life, um, it can be very, uh, damaging to the person and the long-term recovery uh, with that, without a doubt. And, you know, you talk about the anxiety and how to deal with it. You know, I have your book and, and books in my office and I, I try to routinely hand them out and do it, but you know, I, you can't force people right. to do things. I think one of the easiest things that you could try to get people to do is your writing. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, you know, I've got hit by a drunk driver myself. No, I did not know that. I was 13 and, and if you remember, I had uh, torn my rotator off, herniated three discs, had the neck surgery. And then I came over and had the, the neck fusion. In fact, you visited me. Right. And so I, I had to get a competent surgeon, of course, so you could only visit. <laughs> but, the, the, uh, yeah. but, you know, that writing process, uh, I incorporated it. And, and I, I, I was doing it, uh, trying to do it daily. Now I'm probably, you know, maybe twice a week. But it really, really helps. Uh, helps you and then it helps you in a lot of facets so a lot of the things that you're talking about i think uh i've seen that they help people that are injured and they can help in the litigation scenario it's the delivery mechanism that we have to all get so much better on and then to continue to educate people you know how the brain works and the unconscious mind and, and how we try to deal with that well you just made a point which i thought was interesting you say vengeance is a sin 
But there's one research paper that showed that 95% of the people in chronic pain and involved in some type of disability or litigation, 95% of them have not forgiven the person's situation that caused the problem in the first place. But the person the most, that they're the most angry at is themselves. It's interesting. Then we also found out somewhat inadvertently that the biggest factor in somebody going to pain-free is actually forgiveness. It's huge. It's unbelievable. So there's forgiveness. I think that's true, David. I, I, I'd probably say that's a study that's probably got to be one of those Lithuanian studies. <laughs> I mean, 95% is not, uh, that's a very high statistic. I don't think I could corroborate in my, my practice. You have some people that are very, very angry. And when, if someone's really angry or it's, uh, I have to be careful about, I'm careful about representing them. You know, if, if they, uh, you see them bouncing from doctor to doctor, you see him doing some of those things, you have to be careful, uh, because they're going to be a difficult, uh, client. And it's, this doesn't mean they're not hurt. It doesn't mean that, uh, they aren't having all kinds of troubles, but they're, it, it's, it makes it much harder. Well, what we found out is that the anger, well, Dr. Luskin points out in his book, forgive for good. That's a book that came into my practice about seven or eight years ago. That when that book came into my practice, that's when people started to consistently go to pain free. And again, anxiety is, gen is the sensation generating the body's stress chemicals. When you're trapped, your stress chemicals are even higher and you become angry. So basically, anxiety and anger are the same thing, where anger is anxiety with a chemical kick. The problem is, is that the more legitimate your anger, the harder to let go, right? I think that's true. And I, I, I never, I didn't understand until you explained to me that how anxiety overlaps with anger and that people with anxiety use anger to deal with their anxiety. Right. I don't think people really understand that very well, David. Right. Yeah, I mean, anger is the body's effort to regain control. Remember, the antidote to anxiety is control. When you lose control, your body kicks in more stress chemicals in an effort to regain control. So basically, anxiety and anger are the same thing. It's all the sensations generated by the body's chemistry. But Dr. Luskin's book was interesting because he, he did four major research projects, and two of those were with the parents of children who had been murdered. There's nothing worse, right? And so these were from the um, Irish um, situa Ireland situation, and the, patient, the parents had a legitimate reason to be angry. But his point was is that if you hold on to your anger, these people that you despise are renting too much space in your mind. And what happens is that forgiveness is a selfish act. You're saying, okay, I'm not gonna let you run my life anymore. I'm gonna fully let go and move on. So it's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's simply a statement say, stated, stating I'm gonna reclaim my life and move on regardless of the circumstances. So in I some way- right. I think you're right that, I mean, asking forgiveness and then allowing to move on um, allows people to the, the person that injured them no longer has control over their life. I mean, and right. that's and, and so then the injured person is really taking control back in their life, um, which can be very powerful. But it's not an easy thing for some people to do, and not an easy thing for anybody really to do. And, and Dr. Luskin isn't recommending drop the lawsuit, right? He's not saying drop the lawsuit. I mean, the person who killed your child still needs to be executed or tried or whatever they want to do with this person during a war situation. So it's not letting the litigate, it's not dropping the litigation or dropping the problem. It's not to be solved. You don't have to like the person who injured you the situation. 
you can if you want, but this is not about positive thinking. It's not about generating these positive feelings. It's just a very definite statement. I'm taking back my life, period. So in the face of litigation, I think that's a challenge because it, it's there. In my advice to my patients, from my perspective, look, do what you have to do, pursue litigation, that's fine. Just don't get emotionally involved with it. Well, it's hard not to get emotionally involved, but you can do it without, um, you don't have to have anger. You don't have to hate the other person. You don't, your job, our position is not to punish them. Now you have certain situations where you have a bad behavior that's repetitive. And so part of the lawsuit is to change the bad behavior and protect others. Um, but that, that also is not an anger thing. If you direct it towards that, it can be a positive. And right. so you're trying to accomplish something that's, that's beyond yourself with the lawsuit. And, you know, in our society, it's clear that litigation has changed bad behavior and has made society much safer because you're holding people accountable, right. uh, which you couldn't do otherwise. Right. No, absolutely. And you also brought up a point earlier, which I wanted to touch on, is that, I mean, a lot of times litigation is the only way you can get your problem solved. There's no other choice. It, that is exactly right. And, and it's the only way that the ordinary person uh, who's middle class or in poverty can hold someone accountable. I mean, you have the access to take on the most powerful corporations, industry, or persons. Just because someone has more money doesn't mean they are going to get more justice in you. You still have the ability to hold them accountable. Now, it's not easy. Um, right. But it's, it's one of the best things about our society that uh, the man with the gold doesn't make all the rules. Right. Well, John, thanks for talking to us. I, we're we're going to have a, a segment next week where we're going to talk about how to, what are some of the strategies to actually minimize the stress of litigation on your day-to-day -day life and some things you've seen be effective, some of the clients you've seen not do so well, and some people who've done it very well. But can you uh, just give us a one-minute summary of what we just talked about today, what your general view of litigation is? as far as the effect on your clients and, and what your, some of your thoughts are, some of your closing thoughts? I think that uh, no person uh, wants to be involved in litigation. No person has to be injured. I mean, they get hurt and it's not their fault. And then they got through a, a very rigorous process. And so I, I think that the majority of the people are just trying to do the right thing. They're trying to get their lives back. Uh, in control and to move forward with their lives. And, and they need the help of their healthcare practitioner. They need those tools and they need access to our judicial system. And I think what you're working on can help people through this process. And it's an education process for a lot of the lawyers too, so they can be better advocates for their clients. Well, thank you very much. Very, very enlightening. Appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.